Good evening, everybody. Thanks for joining us on Vintage McCoy. We have our third episode. I think it's going to be our our last episode. I, I actually want to go the whole week with you, but I've been... Rick, come on. Jennifer's awesome. Oh, she's such a blessing. And I was yeah. looking forward to this from the time we yeah. got the tip later, uh, earlier in the week, that she was going to be on with us. I was, I was very excited. Yeah. So in this episode, which is going to be our final uh, with you, but we're going to have you back... But on this episode, we're going we're gonna to delve into Jennifer's, uh, I would say, foundation on why the truth is important and just your personal areas of your life that you're willing to share with us because uh, you are under the gun and you're in a profession that has a lot of challenges and you've had a lot of heartache, but you still have maintained a joy and you're still going forward fearlessly. So... Check this out. Tune in. Do not go anywhere. Put your seatbelts on. It's time for Vintage McCoy. Buckle up. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. Together, we will make America great again. I have never been more hopeful about America. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. The advance of human liberty can only strengthen the cause of world peace. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. But because of the Watergate matter, I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. One small step for man. All the gods to be able to sing with new meaning. My country tears of me. We land of liberty of the Aussie. We shall pay any price, bear any dirt, uphold any foe, to ensure the survival and the success of liberty. It is indeed we are, the defenders of freedom. With the unbounding determination of our people, we will gain the inevitable triumph. So help us God. We hold these truths be self-evident that all men are created one in one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Those who forget the past are destined to And now, your host, Pastor Rob McCoy. Thanks for joining us, folks. I tell you, uh, this is going to be a good one, and it's going to be our, our last program with Jennifer. Uh, Jennifer Van Lahr is the managing editor of Red State, mm -hmm. and I want to set it up because, uh, and I didn't tell you this, but it was kind of cool. Last night, my grandson, my oldest grandson, I got three grandkids, Oliver, Oliver Churchill Stevens. I'm sitting with him, and I, had, I put on uh, a documentary called Triumph of the Will. Ever heard of it? No. It was a propaganda film put forward by, by the Nazis mm -hmm. in 1935 to usher in Hitler's position in all of Germany. And it's translated uh, into English. And my grandson is with me. And I described it. I said, this, this man that you're about to see, 9% of the population is all he represented. And he took over the entire country. He removed truth and brought in propaganda. And he had a minister of propaganda. And I explained to Oliver the difference between 
you know, censorship and propaganda. He's, he's like six years old, but the kid's brilliant. And I'm, I'm sharing with him that the word Fuhrer is this idea of Messiah, and he exchanges himself as a government of man, that he is going to save Germany. And you see the worship being afforded to Hitler as he's coming through the streets of Nuremberg. And he actually goes to the Catholic Church, and the archbishop of that region is yielded to the Nazi regime. And everyone has bowed to it. And and this six-year-old is picking it up. And it's called Triumph of the Will. And and they're coming out of the Great Depression. They've come out of World War I, which they lost. Mm -hmm. And all of them were starving. They had hyperinflation. And they're showing pictures of the children eating. and, And their faces are full. And they're smiling. And the youth are wearing uniforms. And as you're watching it, Oliver is seeing the contrast. And he says... Obi, that's what he calls me, because I'm Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's my young Padawan. Nice. He says, Obi, can you, because he can read, but he says, I can't read that fast enough. Can you read what's at the bottom of the screen? And so I was reading, and he was engaged in it. And here we are dealing with censorship and propaganda, and they're, they're, they're calling everyone on the planet a fascist. That's their favorite term. And Oliver said, what's a fascist, Obi? And I said, well... I think George Orwell came up with the best definition. He doesn't know who George Orwell is. But I, I, I said, the best definition I've ever heard of fascist is, because everyone's used everything they want. You're a fascist. You're a, mm-hmm. a fascist is a bully. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A fascist is a tyrant. A fascist is somebody who wants to tell you to shut up. And a six-year-old gets that. So you step into this world. And you got a lot of fascists, a lot of bullies, a lot of tyrants telling you to shut up. Mm-hmm. And they attack you, they attack your family, <clears throat> they dox you. Meaning, if, if, if it, no one knows what doxing means, they give your address, the names of your kids. And, and in the midst of these stories breaking and they're suing you and every operative is coming after you and they are, they are throwing <clears throat> the kitchen sink at you. Mm-hmm. In the midst of this, your dad has a stroke. Well, he had the stroke before I got into journalism. Before but, you got into but journalism. But he was still disabled. He died in uh, April of 2017. Uh, so up until that point, and I started in journalism in 2014. Yeah. So I was still going over to his house, taking care of him. He was, and he was he was a strength for you. Mm-hmm. But he was it was also a responsibility on your behalf to care for him because part of his body was paralyzed. The whole left side of his body was paralyzed. And you had just gone through a divorce and moved mm-hmm. out from North Carolina. Right. And you had three children. Mm-hmm. So it's abusive. You leave that. You come out here to California. You're a stenographer. But the system they use in California is not what they use in North Carolina. So you're out of a job. Right. Even though I had reported 13 capital murder tra- uh, cases, probably about 40 murder cases overall, and so those transcripts have gone up some to the Supreme Court, and they've not been found wanting. Was the president of the state association there? I come to California, and I can't work. Yeah, wow. In my profession. So describe why that is. Just regulations. Just regulations. Yeah, because the, the mm-hmm. stenography was yours. It was voice activated. Theirs had to be. Right. So to get a license in California, you have to take the test using that method. I see. And that wasn't your gift. Right. Or... And I didn't. I don't know all the shorthand. I didn't want to learn. It. You know, I've been a court reporter for 20 years. I wasn't going to go back to school for something I already knew knew how to do just a different way. So you end up out here in Simi Valley through a series of events. 
Um, you're growing up, you're uh, LDS, mm -hmm. is that right? Uh, Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. Right. I think today it's called Latter-day Saints. It changes a little bit in names. but The official name has always been the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but right. they were, they're known as Mormons. Yeah, but they don't like the term Mormon. My, right. my friends don't anyway, so I understand that. So I, I want to be respectful of that. Mm -hmm. and, and you're going through all this, and you're having a crisis of faith. Mm -hmm. um, They've lost track of you. Probably maybe moving North Carolina to. Southern. Oh no, they had. They oh, had yeah. track. They're, they're very, they're, they're very, very good at maintaining their their roles. Of well, membership. I also moved back into the same ward that I grew up in. Okay, so you grew up in the ward here, right. in Simi. You grew up in this area. Mm -hmm. But now it's a crisis of faith, and now we come into 2020, and we get a lockdown. And this is, this churches are shuttered, and LDS, <clears throat> my my friends in the LDS, and and I I. Some of my strongest friendships, and by their own admission, in in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, they look at the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution as sacred documents, divinely inspired. Divinely inspired, in addition to the Doctrine of Covenants, the Pearl of Great Price, and the Scriptures themselves, mm -hmm. Book of Mormon. They add right. all those. So, of all the religious faiths in America, this is the one that I would think would be the strongest defender of the First Amendment and the U.S. Constitution right. and the Bill of Rights. Exactly. And they're shuttered. And, they're and they, they kind of did it proactively, too. And I haven't attended in a few years, but uh, my two older sons are very active and married in the temple, uh, that kind of thing. And But I so I still knew what was going on, but got the no notifications. That, and many of your friends are still oh, yeah. affiliated. You have yeah. great relationships. Right. I'm not here to bash. Yeah, I mean, nothing like that at all. I was just surprised to see that they proactively locked down. And, and my podcast partner, uh, he's a return missionary Mormon guy, and he's really struggled with this because the Mormons left from Illinois. They were driven out of Illinois, but they went and set in Utah, which was not part of the United States then, precisely so they could practice their religion as they believed was governed by God and what God told them to do. They just, they would ignore the law if they didn't think it complied with what God expected of them. That's the heritage that they have. And so to see this just kind of capitulation to something it was stunning. And my friends had a big crisis of his faith because of that. Now, so as not to dump on LDS. Right. When you covered it, I didn't even know this until we talked off camera. Mm -hmm. You covered when we opened for communion on April 4th of 2020 right. on Palm Sunday. And our Catholic brothers and sisters, where the Eucharist is the literal body and blood of Christ, many of these dioceses, they haven't opened. Mm -hmm. And I, I ran into a, 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 um, a priest on, on a flight, and he was contending with the diocese in Minnesota I was moved by that. I, mm -hmm. I saw him on, and I said, hey, thanks for all you're doing. And he got beat up by his bishop, like not physically beat up, but right. they took away his chaplaincy and a number of other things. So it came at a cost. So you've got the Catholic faith. You've got LDS. You and I are part of Calvary chapels. How many Calvary chapels are open of the, what, 1,800 around the world? I don't know the percentage, but I know a lot of, uh, a lot of them closed. And, and they were the ones that gave us, at least me anyways, the, the most pushback, which was sad. It, it frustrated me. But it's the time that we needed the most. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. I've been through a lot of stuff over the years that we've talked about off camera. But during this, the pandemic time, and we didn't talk about this part, but California's AB5, 
I was an independent contractor writing for Salem and different people. Um, and because I write about government corruption, um, I didn't want to create a corporation in California or stay here where they could harass me. So knowing this, that I was going to not be able to do my job, I created a corporation in North Carolina and planned to spend 50, 60% of my time there because my, my mom's there. I've got a place to stay. But my youngest son was still in high school at a performing arts magnet. I'm not going to up and take him somewhere. So from January to March of 2020, I was flying back and forth across the country to be able to work and have my son. Luckily, my oldest son was able to help oh, get yeah. him to and from school. is wasn't just leaving him latchkey child. Uh, so it was kind of a blessing in a way when the pandemic hit because I got locked down here and just said, oh, well, you know, yeah. I'm not going to go and not know if I can come back and see my child. So it was, but it's still a crisis of faith going, I, I want something to hang on to. And what I saw with a lot of friends, especially say May, June, July of last year, everything we ever grew up believing, all of the, you know, you work hard and you do this, you're going to be rewarded. This is how life works. It was all turned upside down by these orders and the things that happened. And we needed that, the faith. So I was, I came and I had communion here, even though I was reporting, I had to go through it and make sure you were doing yeah. the CDC guidelines. <laughs> and, and, and you and were, we did, yeah. you were, and, they, and they the, were very stringent on that, the yeah. people in the church. We didn't know the severity of the virus at the time. Right. And then even by Christmas, I, I have a friend that's Catholic and he was going to go to Spanish mass there in Sea Valley. I said, can I go? I, I need something. Yeah. I need to go somewhere mm -hmm. and sing hymns. Didn't know the Spanish, but still. I, I, always say, <laughs> I always say watching church online is like watching a fireplace online. You can see it, you can hear it, but you can't feel the warmth. Mm -hmm. And and has the press reported that we aren't super spreaders? Have they reported that? Have they done any of it? No, they've just towed the line, and it's it's sad. Have they done studies of super spreading at Costco or no. the grocery store? Nah. No. That I might mean, tell them something they don't want to know. But that's, that's a double that's standard. Essential. Such a double standard. True. I mean, with, with all of that. Yeah, they look at that as essential. Faith yeah. isn't essential. Right. Well, that's what stirred you up, right? When the governor yeah. said the church is not essential, which is just not true. Yeah, you can rip a baby apart in its mother's womb and flush its parts into the sewer systems in an abortion clinic. That's essential. But no. But even Take with the church. pandemic, I mean, we've seen how essential faith is with the increase in suicides yeah. and mental health issues. Yeah. Where people need that connection with something. They need to know that there's going to be hope somewhere. Uh, Last 12 months of recorded, uh, highest number of opioid deaths in recorded American history in the last 12 months. And here in this county, uh, I think it's 300% increase in, in a, a, a child abuse. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the two mandated reporters, schools and churches have been shuttered. Right. And we've, we've quarantined the abused with their abusers. Nobody's talking about that. And they justify it with a virus that has a 99.8 plus percent survival rate in our county. Uh, and the reporter wants to talk about who's died from, for, not not with COVID, but, you know, not, not from COVID, but with COVID. Right. Yeah, we, we just follow the narrative. So so you went through some crisis mm -hmm. because you're, you're reporting truth. And all the while, not only with your dad and with the struggles with your kids and the, the place where you would find your strength uh, spiritually, not being available. You also, uh, and, and you went through a really tough divorce with an abusive relationship. You've, you've switched coasts. Mm -hmm. you're, you're learning a whole new profession. You're a single mom. 
and then you, you, you find a, a, a man that you're sweet, sweet on and you guys are dating. Doesn't work out, but you remain the best of friends. Mm -hmm. And then you just shared this with me, like, just in passing. Rick and I were blown mm -hmm. away. It was like four weeks ago. Eight. Oh, eight weeks ago. Uh -huh. Yeah, just, he died. Mm -hmm. of, yeah. of a aneurysm? Right. Wow. Yep. That's it, definitely one of the bigger crises of faith in life. Because you feel like, like I shared offline, um, in a G Steve Jobs speech, you, all these things happen in your life. And at some point you look back and you see that where the dots all connected, you know, and he and I had been friends in junior high, crush had crushes on each other. Yeah. We were two nerds, so we didn't act on it. And <clears throat> then lost contact. And <laughs> seriously, 4.0 people yeah. <laughs> uh, at our 20 year reunion, got back in touch. And then I, I happened to be getting divorced around the same time. And so uh, we dated after that, but he was like a father to my kids. And so you, you think, okay, good. It's maybe not the ideal of how I thought life would be, but I have this person that can kind of do the grandparent thing with me because yeah. my first granddaughter was born four weeks ago. Wow. Um, you know, could do the family things like my youngest son's graduation. Yeah. Um, and that's why I got the eight and four weeks mixed up. Yeah. yeah. And so um, you, then all of a sudden that's gone. Like you think you're gonna be, we were gonna be the weird people on cruises when we're like 75 playing shuffleboard and then it's gone. And so you're like, okay, there has to be like, God, there has to be some other purpose for this. There is. Well, I'll tell you what, <laughs> and, and we, were, we were talking about this. We get some amazing guests on this program mm -hmm. and, and this isn't anything that, I mean, Rick, you and I kind of stumbled into this. It, 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 I, I, you weren't here early on, but right. you came in. Yeah. But you saw it, and you signed up, which was even crazier. You're like, "Yeah, I want to help." Because I have, a th I, I do that too. I see things that everyone thinks is crazy, and like, I'll help with yeah, that. I'll help. <laughs> I mean, well, he, but he moved from yeah. another state and brought it. I mean, yeah, put an entire Thank ministry you. on hold. Mikey will do it. You just give it, feed yeah. it to Mikey. Let's give right? it to Mikey. Give it to Mikey. <laughs> For the young kids out there, it was a live like, cereal mm -hmm. commercial. We had to. Sorry, yeah, out of date. Okay. It's alright. Yeah. We're getting it. older <laughs> there. Right? Well. But our, our very first videos were kind of like ISIS beheading videos. There was one <laughs> grainy camera and a black backdrop. And we're like, hi, everybody. A worn out love seat. <laughs> but this then makes its way to where we are now. Mm -hmm. And we've gotten some traction. And, and we get the coolest guests. And yeah, I, we're moved by what you've done. We're moved by the way in which your skills have brought truth forward and have been instrumental in strengthening our community. But more than that, uh, Rick and I both, we're thrilled to have you as a friend. I mean, Thank you. It's, yeah, it's great. God doesn't awesome. screw around. He's, he's got it down. He even takes all the tragedies in a fallen world. He works them together for good. So, And that's really what we're seeing. I mean, the, the gathering of really broken hearts over this last couple of years. Everything that's happened, and you're out there fighting for truth at Red State, and um, we're fighting for truth. And the church has blown up because people are hungry for faith, hope, and love, aren't they, Rob? Yeah. Because it's, I was here in January, and there's 350 people in church, and I come back, and it's fifteen to 1,800 people. Well, I think and what you guys are showing is it's not just those things you mentioned, but they're hungry for leadership, yeah. for oh, people to take a stand. Oh, you have no idea how hungry they are. They're so hungry for leadership that they would actually come and listen to me speak. <laughs> I mean, that takes a lot. They line. are desperate. <laughs> they're happier when Rick's here, but they're they're desperate. Seriously, I, no, I Yeah, I all joke. joking aside, it, it's true. Yeah, I have a gift of preaching church on a manageable size. And 
and yet there's nowhere else to go. Yeah, and, and they're desperate. You know, faith, hope, and love, those ingredients that trusting the Lord, being filled with hope, the certainty of coming good, because people are just, they're in despair. And they're losing loved ones, and, and oftentimes that loved one's in a hospital and they can't even get in there and hold their hand mm -hmm. at the end. Really what has happened through the overreaction to, for most people, a flu. Right. right. It's, it's I had a, it. It was a flu. Right. I had it, a, it wasn't even a flu. It was like a bad, it wasn't even a bad cold. Right. So for the majority, if you're under 65 and healthy, and to devastate the whole nation, and to tell people the church is not essential so they can get faith, hope, and love, mm -hmm. people have to stand for liberty in the Lord, liberty for uh, our nation. And what's happened for me, coming here and joining Rob, is I am truly getting to connect with people that love liberty, and they're just, uh, they're the salt of the earth. I mean, it's really, it, it, even people that we have other uh, philosophical or religious or different ideologies in different areas of life, but we love liberty, and we're coming together and hanging out with sometimes an atheist that has more liberty-loving genes, so to speak, than yeah. some of the people that are woke and, and giving us a hard time. Yeah. It, it's there's really two, a strange thing. There's two things I kind of learned this year regarding that is why we have we do have to fight and we're in a war for yeah. sure, that it, the other people as individuals are not our enemy and there's that humanity in them that we can find a common ground and start talking to, both through AB5 and through these lockdowns. I talked to people that are on the liberal side of the spectrum, but we've connected with our humanity and found where the common ground is that we can move forward. Yes. And the other thing that I've learned is we don't get shunned by our bosses for speaking our views. We're blessed to be in jobs where we can do that and not get canceled. Mm -hmm. uh, at the event where I met you a couple of weeks ago, I had people come up to me after saying, you don't know how much you've inspired us in the last year. And I'm standing there going, what? I'm kind of uncomfortable with this. But they said, you're out there saying what we want to say and we can't. Yeah. And thank you. And so I thought, and I do take that, that thought back to home and think about, you know, for every one of me, there's pro saying this verbally, there's probably a thousand people that can't say it. Yeah. And that gives me that responsibility <clears throat> to speak that truth. Sorry. I just traveled to North Carolina and South Carolina. Um, we were, I was with James, my son-in-law, getting into an elevator at, a, at the hotel. Mm -hmm. And a guy gets on, he's got all these brochures. I said, hey, you've been doing a little bit of traveling. We were in South Carolina time. And he says, uh, yeah, I went to this and this and this. And I said, oh, yeah. I, I been, oh, he said, went to the Billy Graham Center in North Carolina mm -hmm. near Asheville. And I, I said, oh, yeah, I, I went, I've been there. I'm a minister out in California. He goes, wait a minute. I know you. Wow. And he goes, you know, and I said, I'm, I'm Rob McCoy. He goes, I know you. Oh, my wife and I pray for you. Wow. And we get that everywhere we go, which just tells me that there's, there's more of us than there are of them. Mm. And they mm -hmm. want us to think we're all alone in this mm -hmm. and that what we're doing is feeble and worthless. And it isn't. Mm -hmm. It isn't. You, you, you are a blessing to us. You're a gift. Um, don't, don't grow weary in well-doing. I'm, I'm sorry for your loss. Thank I you. truly am. I know that's, that's hard. And, and, and I know you've gone through a crisis of faith and all the other things. And I'm not proselytizing on, on the air. But I will say this. You have a family at Godspeak. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you. Doesn't mean you have to report nicely about us. You can obliterate us. However, we're grateful for what you do. Thank you. And, um, you know, the, the world needs truth. Mm-hmm. Keep reporting on it. Keep pursuing it. Keep digging. Uh, do the investigative stuff. Do you know Jorge Ventura? I do. We had him on this program. I'm looking at that generation thinking, man, let's get some more of these young guys out there and gals that, I mean, he's, he's in the thick of it reporting yeah. on it. And at Town Hall, Julio Rosas, yeah. he's everywhere. I want to get right, him on. Yeah. Right, yeah. I'll hook you up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, boom. There you go. Yeah, it's like that. It's not, it's not the, yeah, it's who you know. You know what I'm saying? It's right. not what you know. <laughs> Tell us some more folks that are being inspired to pursue the, the traditional method of journalism where you report on the truth, not the narrative. Well, I mean, we've got our whole staff at Red State. I have to mention them mm-hmm. where we do like to do the more of the investigative stuff and going and we've got a, gr- a group here in california i think probably eight of our contributors are from southern california and people think that california is ready to be written off but we're not in any way if anything we're going to lead the nation back to liberty loving i yeah. i see that happening and not really a investigative journalist but you know nick searcy yeah and what he's doing with keeping the focus on these restaurants and what's been happening at Tin Horn Flats and, and the movies that he makes he's doing a are movie, amazing. He's doing a movie for Janu- on January 6th. Oh, you, yes. Yeah, he's, you know, you got these folks that are in trailer parks that are elderly, uh, uh, two 80-year-old women, and the FBI blows down their doors to come get them because they open the doors and let them into the Capitol, and they're coming after them, and then they set them aside, and they start to question them, like throw somebody under the bus thing, trying to make this a conspiratorial, you know, coup d'etat and he's reporting on it right yeah the and the guy that was writing on the uh, ryan derdusky i think is how you mm-hmm. say it about the lincoln project the things yeah. that were happening there he's taken a lot of heat for that well in this cancel culture and especially here in california the dems want the names addresses and everyone who signed the recall petition right luckily that they withdrew it they kind of put their tail between their legs and but that's because you reported on it <laughs> uh, take but a look you... at they look at the news uh, on red state you put this out there California Dems want the name, address, and everyone who signs a recall petition. You put that out there. Uh, Show the next slide, if you would. This was you. You said, they did this in 2017 when State Senator Josh Newman, Democrat Orange County, was successfully recalled despite Democrats passing legislation that retroactively changed the number of signatures needed to qualify a recall petition. Newman believes people who sign a recall petition against him were given false information about what they were signing and that he should have had an opportunity to correct that. And I love this next one that you reported on, Newman. From my view, a recall is, in effect, trial by ballot, and you should be able to face your accusers. Face your accusers or make your accusers suffer? Not sure. Well, first of all, the trial is... At the ballot box. Yeah. That's where you face your accusers. Yeah. Uh, all he wants to do is be able to call, um, did you really mean that? Really mean that? You still want to keep your name on this petition? What are they going to do with that information? Do any of us trust that they're going to not retaliate against people? I, I mean, I'm not sure if you recall Ruth Luevanos is a city council member in Simi Valley, and she's going to run for Congress. And we were doing a recall against her a couple of years ago. And we had people who worked for the city or who worked in government some way. Wait, no one's going to find out if I sign this right. This is private. And yeah. we showed them it was. and Because they, they were afraid to sign it because of their employment, if anyone was going to find out. Okay. 
perfect segue. A reporter who's to be unnamed in our county. Mm -hmm. She called me. She said, are you involved in the recall efforts for Supervisor uh, Parks? Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I think other supervisors. I said, no. Are you or your church funding? I said, no. Are you going to be running for supervisor? I have filed papers. That's been something that's crossed my mind. No. And the biggest concern is defending Parks, Supervisor Parks. And all the people, I can't tell you how many calls I've gotten. I can't tell you how many calls I've gotten. I Endless. believe it. <laughs> They're calling saying, do it, go after her. I said, I'm not in charge of it. Well, tell whoever's doing it to go after him. Well, why don't you support him and call him? I can't because she, she has this ability. You have no idea what she can do to us. I'm like, what is this, the mafia or mm -hmm. the supervisory seat? Right. I mean, I've never seen that side of Linda. I don't know about it. But people are scared to death, and I'm watching a reporter do the bidding of it. All I want is, look, three of the five county supervisors came after us, used county monies, and they, they wanted a thousand citations for congregants or visitors, and they named me in the suit, and now you pull it, and we did a cross-complaint. All I want to know is, where did you get this authority to label us, attack us, suppress our First Amendment inalienable right? Right. What is your justification? That's all I want to know. You're not dictator. You're supervisors. Just that's all I want to know. I, I don't have a, I don't have an axe to grind. Mm -hmm. But everyone's scared, and that's kind of what happens when you step forward to do what's right. And they don't always need the elected officials to do that. Like you said, the, a lot of times the media will kind of do it for them. Yeah. And that's terrifying. And the media is just an arm of the left. Not always. Agenda. Not always. But no, we. <laughs> <laughs> they like, can I mean, be. I'm they can CNN be. Guy. They they can be, for sure. And uh, and the fear mongering once again brings us back full circle. Your name and your address is going to be out there, and um, Biden wanting eighty billion dollars to further empower the IRS to be an arm of coming after whoever has a voice of dissent. Mm -hmm. And so um, we're, we're living in crazy times. We and, are. But reporting like you're doing, getting the truth out here like this, because when a, when the truth goes out, they, they step back. In Arizona this week, mm -hmm. they wanted the children's masks. They wanted them off. So they go to the school board meeting, and uh, those who have watched the video, all the school board resigns. They vote new members. They, the they didn't resign. They right. left. And then they did Robert's Rules of Order to, it was kind of a. Okay, yeah. straighten that out. So, yeah. okay. It's yeah, all well, technical. Yeah. What's that? It's technical. It's technical. It's, it's technical. And, and they, they, they feel as though they have a position to be able to have done that and appointing new. But the, the bottom line is that school board didn't represent the people that came in. Mm -hmm. That's right. And they have to stand up. Just like in Canada, they passed the law. You couldn't go out to the parks on a Friday. And on Saturday, the people rose up and they reduced. Yeah, it went out. They, they, they moved the, the, the goalpost because all that has to happen is for good people to stand up for the Edmund truth. Burke, yeah. and is it Edmund Burke who said that? All this necessary for evil to prosper is for good men to do nothing. Edmund Burke. Well, um, liberty's like muscles. If we don't exercise them, we lose them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, Let's let's close our, our our time together because you had pointed. I think it's seven states have removed critical race theory from their curriculum, mm -hmm. and Idaho is the latest. Yeah, mm -hmm. just yesterday yep. they came out. Yep. So they they moved to ban critical race theory. Uh, do we have that that slide? CNN reported on it. Mm -hmm. 
Idaho moves to ban critical race theory instruction in all public schools, including universities. Yeah. Rick, why don't you why don't you set the stage for it? Because obviously, critical race theory affects the reporting of truth because truth is not absolute; it's subjective in critical race theory. Um, and I know Jennifer's our guest, but I, I love the way because I just finished uh, Fault Lines, Vody Bachman's book. Mm-hmm. And in conjunction with James Lindsay's book on cynical theory, critical race, yeah. critical theory, yeah. those two books together have opened up my eyes. I had never seen it before. It's like, wait a minute, this yeah. is crazy. Yeah. Talk on it, will you? Well, the postmodernism that is uh, really where critical race theory comes from, postcolonialism, critical race theory, uh, all the gender studies, all those things. The two principles that it starts with is, number one, is there's no absolute truth. And so uh, immediately it's very difficult to have a dialogue because truth is reality. If, if you're coming from a different planet and don't think of evidence or the statistics and anything that you use as evidence or studies or statistics are all suspiciously looked at as lies put forth by white supremacists. It's a white man's machination. It is, from Western civilization. Yeah. So that's why post-colonialism is to destroy Western civilization. But critical race theory... Uh, that, would be, that, that would be the Enlightenment thinkers. That's, that's correct. Uh, scientific yeah. method. That's right. Yeah, yeah. empirical evidence. And so, uh, and then the, the second principle of it is that Language is political in nature, and it's all-powerful. Language, that's why any speech can be dissected as uh, racist, xenophobic, uh, homophobic, any of these things. And so, they, so let me, the power let me, of let me, language. Let me slow it down. So yeah. semantics, semantics, the meaning of words, there is no absolute meaning anymore. Mm. And they're going to break it down to find the racism in the language itself. So... The, the word doesn't mean what the word means. It's going to now be what they whatever decide. They say it whatever means. they say it whatever means. Whatever they okay. say it means. So yeah. there's no truth in whatever they say that you're putting forth. Wow. And, um, and then the four things that James Lindsay breaks down, which is great. But the first one is they blur the lines of everything. So nothing can be binary. Male, female. That's binary. Mm-hmm. No, now we have to have a hundred right. fluid genders of things. But when you bring the critical race theory into schools and you indoctrinate that the the color of your skin is the most important thing. And but there's only one group to be hated and that is those who are Caucasian Mm -hmm. and have less melanin in their skin. And it is actually racism on steroids. I mean it is so inflammatory what you see and it creates a mob mentality that we see going on in Portland, we see it going on in Seattle, where right. where the mob is is ruling, and uh, all they have to do is draw the race card, or um, and so if you indoctrinate kids, first of all, the white kids are going to feel like I should be ashamed every day when I wake up and look in the mirror. I wouldn't I wouldn't want that for any race in the right. world. Who would want to tr- teach their children that? And then every other race is going to come to school learning to hate everybody that's white there. Uh, you see what happened in Evergreen College when yeah. this was uh, demonstrated, and they, they wanted a one free day with no white and they oppression. And they were walking through the campus looking for the professor who stood in defense. They wanted to, yeah, I imagine burn him at the stake. Yeah, they had baseball bats. They were stopping cars for, yeah. you know, if he's hiding in the back seat. Uh, and, 
And he simply said, show me the racism. He only asked one question. Show me the evidence. Yeah, show me the evidence. But, but that's... The uh, evidence the, is... The evidence what we say it is. <laughs> There's no absolute truth. Yeah. How has this affected your industry with what Rick just described so clearly? I, I, I love... I mean, you've yeah. done your homework on yeah. critical race theory, and you, you almost could take James Lindsay's spot. <laughs> well, fortunately, we've still been able to freely write on the problems with critical race theory. We haven't run into as much with that itself. Uh, where we've run into anything is basically any, like George Floyd cannot be called a drug addict yeah. or that he might have possibly dealt drugs in his life or, or, because or, of his skin color. Or threatened color. a woman at Right, or nice was it Jacob or Blake that had allegedly like raped someone yeah. or, or hurt the, you can't point out the flaws in someone because of their skin color. And that's, that's just wrong because it, and even the NFL draft, they were talking about if this one um, athlete didn't get drafted first, he's a quarterback that's black, then that was evidence of racism. So we have a, a new sports columnist that just started at Red well, State saying, no, like the ball, like they, what they talk about when there's a foul or a call on a play, the ball don't lie. Mm-hmm. Well, wait, what the ball did, the ball did. Mm-hmm. And he took it that a step further and said, the ball don't care what color hand throws it or mm-hmm. catches it. Well, and like with United <laughs> Airlines, you know, when the plane's going down, the instruments don't care the content of melanin in the hand that's controlling right. the instruments. They want the best. Yeah, and that's what I think the saddest thing about this is we can't talk about the facts of a situation mm-hmm. if there's different races involved and like the characters of the, the scene. You can't just have an honest conversation about the facts. But what I think what lately has been bubbling up at Red State is we have the most number of black conservative contributors in the industry. And our contributors, we, I, I don't tell them what they can and can't say. That's not how I operate. Mm-hmm. They have their views on things that I might not always agree. Most of the time I do. But and like we saw when Tim Scott gave the speech the other night, mm-hmm. the liberals all went after him, but even some conservatives did. And the problem, one of my friends that's another black conservative in Ohio, he said the problem is the left wants to make everything racism and the right wants to say there's absolutely never any racism. Mm-hmm. Neither of them are true. Yep. And until we can accept that yeah. and actually have a conversation, I don't know what's going to happen in this country. Well, I don't know any, well, I mean, I kind of grew up on the streets, so I've seen racism up close and personal. I know Wait, what racism looks like. I, I'm sorry, I have to add this, because you pointed it out one time. We, we talk about white privilege, <laughs> and that, that, was, that was given to you. You were, you were told you had white privilege. Mm-hmm. Share with everybody that white privilege you had growing up. I mean, it was it was remarkable white privilege you were yeah. given. So, I mean, I was just, I was raised by a guy that just, my mom married him uh, a year after he got out of San Quentin for six or seven Yikes. years for armed robbery and a violent criminal. Uh, did a number of stints in prison, so I was, we moved every six months drug around by this convict. Uh, last time he stabbed a guy five times, um, we were hand to mouth, poverty, I mean, basically, I mean, it kind of hurts my family's feelings, but I was raised as white trash. So, and they, that's white privilege, <laughs> right? My, I mean, I remember being embarrassed with my mom, paying with food stamps. I didn't want to be seen uh, as somebody. We were poorly clothed. We were just little ragamuffins. And that was my, my mom made money by um, tin and bar most of the time. And so when people tell me white privilege, I'm like, what are you talking about? I mean, if you grew up and right. came from where I came from, it's really frustrating and infuriating to be have this label mm. like you had some 
pedestal. It's like, come live where I live. Come right. grow up the way I grew up and tell me about my pedestal. Uh, so anyway. Thanks for sharing uh, that. Yeah. And where were we going with all that? I don't know, but I, I had to hear that. <laughs> so I'm just saying the way, the, so I've seen racism close up. Mm -hmm. I know what it looks like. I know what it feels like. Um, I took my first good beating in North Hollywood. We moved into a rough neighborhood. I got beat up by some guys that have a different color of skin than mine. It, it, I haven't hated that race for the rest of it because I've had white guys do the exact same thing. So mm -hmm. it, to me, it's just like if you grow up in that, this, this multi-diverse dynamic that you're, you're acquainted with it. But uh, what I've discovered in all the years since and especially in Christianity, but even outside of that, is racism is an exception, it's not the rule. And what I refuse to accept is that it is the rule of systemic racism. Right. It's the exception. There's racist people, I had racist people in my family, we would have conversations, I would say, hey, that's not, that's not right, uh, you know, to have that attitude. And so I totally acknowledge it exists, and, and, and nobody's, I mean, you're not really thinking if you don't acknowledge that it exists. But on the other hand, to say it's everywhere because they see it in absolutely everything, even the subconscious. See, I can't even know that I'm racist. I can't even know that because <laughs> you're so racist that I'm you don't so even racist, know it. I'm so racist, I don't even know it. Right? right. It was kind of like COVID. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I have to have the test to know I have it. <laughs> exactly. Well, they give you this illustration, and this is to set you up. No matter how you answer it, they'll yeah. say you're racist. You're uh, a white clerk in a store. A white guy and a black guy walk in. Whoever you help first. Right, they're going to define. Either way you go, you're going right. to be racist. Because if I choose to help the white guy, then I'm racist against the black. If I choose the black guy, it was, well, you probably thought he was going to steal something, so you want him out of the store. How about I just walk up, which is who I am? Like, who needs help first? Right. Right. That's just my. I'm just. Hey, I want to help whoever's here. I don't care what color your skin is. I don't care what come. I've but, but to say that is racist. Exactly. Yeah. I've ministered in 17 countries doing mission work in India, in the slums of India, the slums of Mexico, the, uh, the... You're colonizing. AIDS, AIDS, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, to serve people on the AIDS islands in Lake yeah. Victoria. I remember and, that. And, and, we did that together. Yeah, in, in, in Africa. And once again, I guess that's, that's the thing, right? It doesn't matter what I do yeah. uh, and who you love and who you help and what your heart is about and you don't care about the color of skin. Well, you're racist and you don't even know it. And I guess if you say racism, that's, that covers everything. And if that doesn't cover it, that, then climate change covers everything. And if that doesn't cover it, then just say, it's infrastructure, it's all infrastructure. So if I got three words, I can just move through my political world and lay out three things. But you know, I had a thought that I forgot to get out earlier when you're talking about watching the movie with your grandson. Yeah. And I think that's the most powerful thing we can do to change our society is teach our kids. Because I did this when mine were young because I've always been kind of a political, cultural nerd. Yeah. And so by the time that, from the time they were little, we're watching things I'm pointing out to them. Oh, that's what they mean when they say this or that. Uh, he, my kids would ask, well, what's a, a Democrat or what's a Republican? And, and my view, I like, well, Republicans believe you have your own brain to, <laughs> to make your own choices for your life. And Democrats don't. They want to tell you what to do. And that was my, my version. Everyone might not agree with it, mm -hmm. but that was what I did. But I tried to teach them to look at everything they were told and think whether, what, how does that go with other things I've been yeah. taught? And I think you pointing out that kind of pattern of propaganda 
for your grandson. He's now as he grows up, he's gonna remember that, and when he watches movies, he's gonna think, "All right, what did, what did Obi tell me?" Yeah. I, I, I'm taken aback by this idea that America is systemically racist because if we are, we suck at it. Mm-hmm. I mean, our our highest paid athletes are black. Um, I mean, Oprah Winfrey started in abstract poverty, and she's, I mean, she's flying around in a global 650 or 7, I don't know what it is. Right. Uh, I mean, we, we didn't just elect uh, an African-American or, or a black American to one term of office. We did for two terms of office. Gave him the largest number of votes in the history of the country. Up until, I mean, I don't, amazing, Biden, President Biden. He's in a basement. He gets more votes than Obama. I imagine Obama's trying to figure out how he did that. But this... We we suck at being systemically racist. If we're racist, we're really bad at it. We really are. Right. We're terrible. But at you, it. there are some major issues that need to be addressed. And yes. and my friend Kara Davis, also at Red State, um, when before she moved to California, she, they lived in Gary, Indiana, in the hood, where she that's where she became yeah. a, pro, a proponent of gun <laughs> gun rights because when her husband was at work and she had to make sure that she can protect her kids. But they in the ministry. They worked with people who were, had been on drugs and, and trying to help them turn their lives around. And if they had kids, to make sure the kids are taken care of. Mm-hmm. And her kind of take on it from our discussions, that the, the, the issues have not been addressed because just like immigration or, or any other ongoing uh, issue, the politicians benefit by keeping that crisis going on. And so when they're not helping address the things in the cities and help actually get education for for people who maybe grew up with a drug addicted parent then they're just perpetuating that and then for people on our side to deny it it's just like yeah. we're, we're locked in this yeah there's this circle I, I was uh i was with a black pastor on one of the programs and, and my point that i was laying out is the black community in america is 13 percent of the population so you you they have an absolutely flatline birth rate because of abortion, uh, which they disproportionately advertise in black neighborhoods. Right. So, so black childbearing females is about four percent of America's population, but it's responsible for almost forty percent of the abortions in America. It, it's a holocaust on the black community. Mm-hmm. So the birth rate is flatlined, and if BLM Inc. really cared, they would they they wouldn't partner with Planned Parenthood. Right. But but then the the other picture is. You 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 hear the data, um, and and everyone is messing with the figures. So you have two point five to to one mm-hmm. when we talk about uh, fatal officer involved shootings, but then we look at massacres of black officers, uh, or excuse me, massacres of uh, uh, you know uh, shootings on on officers, police mm-hmm. officers. It's higher with the black community than with the white community. And you say, well, over here with the 2.5 to 1, uh, you know, blacks are only 13% of the population. Okay, I got that. Let's go over to shootings of officers. Does the 13% of the population still represent the percentage Mm -hmm. here? You can't use the data the way you want to use the data uh, to, to help in one area but not allow it in the other area. Right. And then the thing that got me is <clears throat> we, we look at racism in America, and it exists. Mm-hmm. It exists. But the black community has been a pawn of the, of the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. 
unlike any other ethnic group in the country, the black community has been a ping pong ball for political progress for a party to accomplish whatever it is they want. You say, well, no, not the Republicans. Election of 1876. Is that right? Yeah, 1876. Tilden. It comes down. It's completely even in the Electoral College. And so they agreed to say, all right, we're going to give it to the Republican candidate. And the Democrats agree, and they were brilliant. They said, all right, we'll let you have the presidency, but take federal troops out of the South that was protecting all of the voting. Right. And the very first Republican senators and Congress members, black, were Republicans because they had the freedom. And now they're going to remove the federal troops, and you're going to have the KKK roll in, you're going to get segregation, and the Republicans, to hold on to their power, marched all the federal troops out. Mm. Just, they don't care. No, no, it, it's, how do we obtain power? Let's use this segment of the population. And what I love that I see happening in this country is abandoning the Republican Party like Tim Scott. Not abandoning, he's still a Republican, but he's like, look, I don't care what you say. I'm, I'm a free thinker. Right. Candace Owen, I'm a free thinker. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, Officer Tatum, Brandon Tatum, I'm a free thinker. They're, they're stepping forward saying, I'm not on but anyone. But Tatum went after Scott the other night. They did. And that's, let them, let them have did. a field day with yeah. each other because they're free thinkers. Mm -hmm. That's the beauty of it. Come mm -hmm. let us reason together. Right. So. But I think where we don't win is some conservatives and even black conservatives attack the black community as a whole, saying that they have a bad culture. Yeah. And I don't think that that's true at all. From when I hang out with people that are black, I don't want to sound like, oh, my black friend. But when I, I it's totally a different experience. Yeah. We, we joke with each other. Wait, well, wait, why do you put mayonnaise on things? Why don't you? <laughs> we talk about white condiments versus uh, more spicy yeah. condiments. But any time that you're going to just go after and, and come in with the, well, I'm going to tell you why your community is in trouble and why you guys are dumb and can't fix it yourself, and I'm going to tell you how to do it, we're not any better than the Democrats. Mm -hmm. yeah. They have talented people within their community who are awake yeah. that why aren't we just empowering them yeah. to take their message even further? Well, that's the bottom line, right, is, is empowerment in every community. I don't care if it's Latino or it's the black or... Um, where there's, where there's generational poverty and growing up in poverty and criminal, uh, I mean, that background, you just perpetuate what you grow up with, right? So my stepdad was a violent guy, so I'm on probation in the th by the third grade. I'm busted for grand larceny at 15. I'm in trouble with violence where we beat some guys up and the guy was going to lose his eye. So that, that was my model. Right, so my, what's my model? And, and it comes back to the basic family unit. Like, what's my family like? And am I gonna perpetuate that right. family dynamic? Or am I gonna break out and do something new? And for me, fortunately for me, Jesus rescued me, saved me, changed me, made me a new person, and brought me out of that life. But I was headed towards prison or death or mm -hmm. what, whatever my future would have been. Because where wherever you're, uh, we know that, I mean, our, our uh, culturally where we come from has an effect. 
and and is it is it black or is it Latino or is it Asian or whatever it is, but the problem is not the color of our skin. It's getting help. Mm -hmm. It's getting help or empowering. Why why aren't people? It doesn't matter what neighborhood. Everybody needs to reach their backyard. Is your backyard Detroit in the hood? Then reach them with love and and see see change happen because it happens one person at a time. Right. And it doesn't matter what color of the skin that the people have. Everybody is created in God's image. You know, there's no, I mean. You guys could do a whole week on this, and I would love to have you guys have my friends Jennifer O'Connell and Kara in to talk about this because Jennifer grew up, uh, her father had been murdered. She grew up in the projects in Chicago. She's made a great life for herself despite that. And so they they both have a lot to say on what we can do. I would to, love to. I'd love to, to do that. that. I, I, I've sat with Bishop Huggins, uh, and we had actually Brandon Tatum. So you have a liberation theologist, and then you have, you know, I, I think Brandon's oneness. He's not even like orthodox view of of mm-hmm. the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Um, and and one's a conservative, one's a uh, well, one's Republican, one's a Democrat. And I was watching him. You know, it was like an Oreo cookie, and, and but but yet <laughs> it was just such a profound conversation. And even as you're talking. Mm-hmm. The nefarious nature of CRT is no remove Christ. There's no absolute, and that's a white man's religion. That's right. Remove Christianity, and you remove. I mean, for us anyway, the Judeo-Christian ethic that produces. Hey, we're all equal in God's sight. Doesn't matter what color you are. Yeah, but that, that's a white man's religion. My feeling is, <laughs> I, I, I mean this with my whole heart, yeah. and I'm going to state it. Okay. Take me off the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. Kill me if you have to, but go ahead and retain Christ. It. Christ has nothing to do with the melanin content of my skin or, or the future of my life. I know where, where my name is written and where I'm going. I, I'm not afraid of death. Mm-hmm. Take all that. And, and my kids are secure, all, all that. Wipe my, wipe my generation off the face of the earth. Take away my lineage. But please, retain the teachings of Christ for your sake and your family's sake. And the future. Because... Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. I, I don't. I'm. I'm not going to profit from from you all because of the faith that is legitimate. Test the faith, apply yeah. the principles, mm-hmm. but don't erase them because you're angry that some have and some don't have. Those are mistakes of man. That's not the teachings of Christ. That's right. Yeah. So we have to we have to contend for that. Yeah, and even being. And in, I would love to sit with the two of them. Good. And, and even being in India and just sitting, you know, their caste system. They, the answer for all mankind from two preachers is Jesus. Yeah. Whether we're alive or not. We're created you, in the image you, of God. We're created in the mm-hmm. image of God. And he, you know, Jesus, the foot of the cross is level ground for every race of people around the world. And that's why thriving churches exist in any culture. One race, many ethnicities. Yes. That's right. Yeah. There's one human race. And even if God could take a magic wand and make us all the same color, we'd still divide over the color of our eyes. Well, we're, we're just, yes, we it's, a, it's a sin nature. Well, there's a precious couple that are from Ethiopia in church on Sunday. I don't know if you talk to them. And there's a tribal war between two different uh, isn't tribes. It, isn't it Eritrea and Ethiopia where the war is? Or, I'm yeah. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, they're here as political refugees. Uh, well, they were you know, they were visiting. They just can't go home because of the war. Uh, the war that's going on, and they all have the same color of skin. So, human, sin in the human so heart. So sin. Wait, sin's the problem and not sin's racism. The, sin's Cut the my pro- legs off and call me shorty. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that a, like a novel thought? Because right. the heart of man is fallen, and so. Anyway. Yeah.
So, so share with me, uh, are they local? Yes. T- t- tell me how you got to know both of them. I met Kara <laughs> in a bar at a bloggers conference. You were at a bar? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what bar? It was uh, some hotel in Charlotte. Oh, we were I was just, say, we is were, it a good bar? We were bloggers. Yeah. And it was right when Barack Obama had come out with the um, Julia had the boyfriend. Oh. That it was really the government. And we just sat there and had a margarita and talked about feminism and how terrible it is and how we wanted to create a new feminism. Yeah. We've been friends ever since. That's really cool. <laughs> and then... And then Jennifer I met with the AB5 battle. Okay. So, yeah, bringing people together. And Thank they're you, local? Lorena. I mean, they're... they're She's real... Pasadena and Orange County. Okay. Well, we would love to have them on the program. Awesome. And would you would you come back? And Obviously, yes. You're fun. Anytime. I know we did most of the talking today. No, I talked a lot. <laughs> but I, did, did you get a chance to get I did. Out? We were kind of the guests on our own show. <laughs> we do that for that's each other. That's why you do the yeah, show, well, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why Hannity does. I don't know about that. <laughs> well, is there anything that you'd like to share before we kind of... No, I think we kind of ran the gamut. Yeah, I think so, too. Well, let's close with this. Thank you for all you do and have done and continue to do. We're blessed by it. Hey guys, thanks for watching. For more information, head over to VintageMcCoy.com or follow us on Instagram at The Vintage McCoy. We'll see you there.